to episode 2 of Artist Avenue season 2. Today I'm joined by the beautiful and multi-talented Livy Wiley. Livy trained at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama and for a few years now she's been spinning many plates as an actor, singer, director and teacher. Since lockdown started, she's managed to direct a virtual R&D, sing too much, too jazzy, too often in the confines of her bedroom, and also launched her own business called Euphoria Crafts. So without further ado, let's dive into Livy's beautifully unique journey throughout the creative arts. Enjoy the episode. So um, my name is Olivia Wiley, also known as Livy Wiley don't mind which one I go by and um, actually that's interesting that's an interesting thing I think I'm Olivia Wiley in terms of my acting persona and Livy Wiley in terms of my sort of like gigging persona Ooh. I try and keep them a little bit different but also they inevitably end up merging into one but also like I'm a multifaceted person you're an artist <laughs> yeah exactly I trained at uh, the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama I did the MA music theatre program Graduated in 2019, and since then I have been doing a range of things, which I'm sure we'll chat about in a bit, <laughs> until lockdown hit. I was born in Switzerland, which is a fun fact about me. Yes. I moved to England in uh, when I was, God, I can't remember the year. I guess it was 1996. I was born in 1994. Um, and uh, yeah, I have lived in Hertfordshire since, and I'm sort of in and out of Hertfordshire in London now that's about all the interesting facts about me <laughs> you've got many more but we'll get to them yeah yeah <laughs> I don't want to like you know go hard yeah soon. don't give it all away in the first yeah. five minutes you know <laughs> <laughs> right so um take us back to the beginning of your journey how did you start out in this industry in the industry gosh I was gonna do like a whole sort of take take you back to like you know, 1990. Take <laughs> us back. Anyway. Yes, yeah. take us back to 1994. <laughs> Four, yeah. Um, so I started out with dancing, which is really funny because no one would really think of me as mostly a dancer, but I was obsessed with dancing when I was from about three. Um, did lots and lots of dance. And then um, I was so scared to sing, genuinely terrified. Um, whenever I would sing, by myself at home if anyone caught me I'd like suddenly start pretending that I was like going like oh look at that nice bird over there or it was yeah I hated it and um and then somehow I managed to start actually singing <laughs> um and that was about I think I was about 10 12 and then and then MT sort of found me when I was about 14 which is quite late to the game I don't know is that late no, I found it with 10, so I don't think it's that late. Yeah, I remember singing on my own for my grade five musical theatre exam, and I was like, I'll go see this musical. Or it was definitely my mum being like, you should go see this musical so you understand the musical. And it was, it was good, and I liked it, but I think it wasn't until I discovered a sort of more stuff when I was about 14. It was like Spring Awakening and the last five years and stuff. Um, and then I was like, oh, this is, this is a cool art form. So then I kind of hooked on to that. And because I was at boarding school, there wasn't that much opportunity to do musicals. So I just ended up listening to musicals and telling everyone like the plot line whilst enforce, like forcing them to listen to the soundtrack. So I like forced everyone 
in my um in my study room at boarding school to listen to every single track of Sweeney Todd and I like narrated what was happening it was a lot (laughs) I was that kid (laughs) and then I got really told off because I had I had like a DVD of Sweeney Todd and it was supposed to be an 18 rated movie and I was 14 and uh, I got got in trouble but you know that's just boarding school for you (laughs) little rebel (laughs) yeah such a rebel um and then I found out about jazz uh and jazz singing which was about I think I was about 17 um and we had a jazz orchestra which I didn't really know about and two of my friends were auditioning for it and they didn't tell me that the audition was happening until the well no they didn't tell me it sort of leaked out the evening before because they really didn't want me to get it and they really wanted to get it and so I just I waltzed in this is like so braggy of me but um I waltzed in and was like I'll sing a song I didn't know what to sing I think I sang Fields of Gold and they were like yeah cool yeah yeah you got the gig and I was like yeah so then I was the jazz singer and then just like hanging out with the people in the jazz orchestra made me realize that jazz is really fun and I think that's kind of been like a lot of my sort of singery inspiration mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's beautiful <laughs> different <laughs> journey there in my journey yeah <laughs> and then obviously before you came to central you went did you go and study something else I did I did English and drama at Queen Mary University so I was in London no I'm very grateful for it it was it was really good and I think i it's come in really handy and I don't regret doing an undergrad. So that's really nice. And um, I've learned a lot of things and I can use it in my acting as well. Mm-hmm. And I also took the opportunity to, because I was in London, I just infiltrated all the other musical theatre societies because Queen Mary didn't really have one. So uh, yeah, I ended up infiltrating lots of other. Was that course more academic or more practical? Um, because it was English and drama, so half of it was English, which is obviously all purely academic, and then yeah. half of it was drama, so I guess half of the half, mm-hmm. a quarter of it was drama. No, a quarter of it was practical. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I ended up doing a little bit, but also most of the practical stuff was like, it was very performance arty, so <laughs> it was lots of like... Um, we were doing pieces that were inspired by like art installations or inspired by photographs or like works of art. So the stuff ended up being, it was very much like, you know, Marina Abramovich style, like performance art installation work. So none of, none of it was like really performing, like, like acting, none of it was acting really. Or if it was acting, we weren't being marked upon the acting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting to know. And Obviously, you then went on to audition for colleges. How was that experience, doing that whilst having an actual other course that you were studying? And because I know you auditioned for quite a few schools as well, didn't you? Yeah, this is an interesting story. So I didn't audition in the final year of uni uh, when I was doing my undergrad because I spent all of my time doing shows. I, I think I did three shows at King during that year. And then I also had to do, you know, like all of my stuff at my actual degree. (laughs) So I didn't audition that year because I just thought I'm so oversaturated with shows and things already. It can wait. And I thought I'm not going to be able to give it my all. I don't really feel that confident. And I kind of wanted someone to coach me through it. So I 
graduated from my undergrad in English and drama. And then I just sort of found other jobs and I was pretty sure that I was going to audition. So I went to go chat to a sort of a mentor of mine and he told me to go for straight acting. So I auditioned for straight acting at various places. So I did loads of research into the MAs and uh, I think I went to like Mount View. I think that was my first one. I was auditioning at Mount View and I got a recall and then they were like, talk to me about yourself. They did a little interview and I was like, well, I did this musical and I was at this musical theatre society and I did this show, which is also a musical. And they were like, why are you auditioning for acting? And I told them what I'd been told, which is like, you know, you've only got a year. It's not very long to focus on three disciplines. Just focus on one. Like you're already an, an, an all right singer, an all right singer. Um, and you, you know, you can get like singing, teaching and blah, 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 blah. And so I was like, right, okay, that's my reasoning. But then they, they obviously saw that I just wanted to do musical theatre. So I guess they were like, no. <laughs> and then I already had these places for loads of MAs that I'd already you know like paid for to do the audition so I was like right better get going so I sort of auditioned for them but my heart wasn't really in it and meanwhile I was also applying I was then like hastily researching all these MA music theatre um uh like programs so I uh auditioned for RAM Central Mount no, I don't think I auditioned for Mount View because I was like, I don't want to do the Mount View musical theatre programme. I don't like it. Uh, and then Royal Conservatory of Scotland. And I got, um, I got waitlisted. I was on the reserve list for Royal Conservatory of Scotland and for Central because I basically didn't really try. And I sort of was like, oh, I'll sort of go in and not really prepare anything very well. And then I got waitlisted and I was like, oh, so close. So I just retried for RAM, Central and RCS the next year and I got places on two of those I got place place in RCS in Central and then I was like oh god which one do I choose um and London just made more sense I didn't really want to be up in Glasgow I don't like the cold yeah that would have been very very chilly up there <laughs> it's like that's literally like one of the main reasons <laughs> I'll be really cold for a year I don't want to do that just dancing in your scarf like yes yeah. warming up <laughs> Like I was just trying to picture myself how grumpy I'd be getting in in the morning when it's freezing and windy and you've got to be in school for like eight or nine o'clock in the morning. It's just like, no, it's two things that I hate, mornings and cold. No! <laughs> <laughs> I love how you put that into your decision. It's very important though. Like you need to feel well in the morning to get yeah. up. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I had a nice chat with lots of the people who did the courses and just Central gave me a really lovely vibe and um, I got, I did the workshop and it was just such a, a gorgeous place to be and, to, and it was the only place as well where it really felt like they were allowing me to have an understanding of what the course is like. Everywhere else it was like, oh, we want you to figure out what it's like here as well, but it just didn't. But it wasn't. It was like you go into a room, sing a song, do a speech. How am I supposed to get a flavour of your course? Mm -hmm. So Central was the one. I loved it. But no, I agree with you. Like it is important to choose a school that you feel comfortable with. And Central did actually allow, I know I had the experience that they allowed people to really have an insight in the course and the, like who's going to be there with you and everything. So it does play. I, also, I, I feel like... 
obviously I don't know because I haven't been to any other drama schools, but the, the feeling that it's okay to not be a performer 100% of the time is such a rare thing to instill in your students. And I feel like it's something that we've all really embraced. And it's just like, why is this not taught everywhere that we're not all gonna be employed 100% of the time? And this is what, like that is literally one of the singular things that I was so terrified about. And the reason why I didn't go for it earlier was because I was so scared about giving up everything else, which I feel defines me as a person. Mm-hmm. I'm such a like a um, projecty person. I'm like, oh, I'll do this and I'll do this, and they're not necessarily linked. But I love that about my life and what I do. I love having like one day I'm teaching singing, another day I'm making something, or like you know whatever. And and to be told that that's okay and that should be celebrated was something that I was so thankful to have learned in my training. Definitely, yeah. And we've all like taking it on, as you said, like everyone from our year group and the years before, they're all doing such lovely little small projects. And it's also not, we're not sticking to one thing. We're all doing a lot of different things. And it's just so lovely. Like that is very, very true. Yeah. And then you obviously got in. Hey, I did. <laughs> Some miracle. No, it's not. It was meant to be. <laughs> it's called working hard. I, I honestly just didn't try before because I was so scared of failure. Mm-hmm. I was so scared of getting, of trying really hard, putting my all into auditioning um, and prepping my piece that if I got told no, I knew that it would just break me and I'd never go near performing again. So I just sort of didn't really try the first time around. And then the second time I thought, it's so stupid. Why, why am I shooting myself in the foot? How did, did you... Yeah, but how did you get how did you get out of that mindset actually? I think having having the the reserve list sort of flouts in my face and then not being given a place. And also for two schools, I think if it was for one school I would have kind of thought oh that was just lucky. Maybe I won't maybe I'll just give up and do something else and teach for the rest of my life or I don't know, work in an office. I would never have worked in an office. That's let's not kid myself that would never have happened I can't see you there no it just wouldn't work um and I think yeah having the reserve list for two schools and I just didn't really get myself sorted out I hadn't hadn't got my references really I mean I'd asked someone for references and she'd never really responded and I sort of blamed her but it wasn't her it was me and I think I just thought right you've got this far if you actually try and put your mind to it and this is what you want so why are you why are you not really giving it a go because you're worried about failing or worried about being rejected like what's what's gonna be the harm I I'm, I'm so close I'm just an inch away from getting in I might as well just try so yeah got some singing lessons got some people to help me with my monologues and I just felt more confident in the room. I think I also shoot myself in the foot as soon as I get in the room where I just doubt myself and sort of play myself down, which is something I'm learning not to do. Yeah, it's a process. It I know that feeling process. too, so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when you got in, how was that getting in there? What did it, was it everything you expected it to be, as in training-wise? Oh my gosh, it was crazy. I literally remember being in Central and I was just walking down the corridors by myself and I had this really weird sort of out-of-body experience and I saw myself in this place and I was like, I've made it. 
I'm in fame. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is about. I think maybe because I just sort of, it was a pipe dream for so long and I never thought that I'd actually achieve it because I was one of those people who never got, I never got a main role. I never sort of really felt like I'd been given an opportunity to show what I can really do because I'd never, I mean, I was at boarding school. We had one musical every two years. And then at uni, I wasn't, I was doing shows that weren't in my uni. So they didn't really know me. I didn't really have much chance to get a main role because I wasn't, well, I was underplaying myself in the auditions. And then also, I guess I kind of want to give them to people who actually go to the schools. And I think I was just so eager to kind of feel validated by being there and being like, and, and, I, and also because it was only one year, I was like, right, I've got one year. I've got to just go for it. Just do it. Give it my all. And I loved every moment. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was, it really was. <laughs> we did have a lot to do though. They did pack in so much. Like, so much. If I think back now of everything we did in 10 months, really, because it's not 12 months, is it? I, I'm just a bit like, wow. Like it all felt, I don't know. It, it just, it, it just all went so fast. But at the same time, we did so much and learned so much and so many different things and aspects and genres and stuff. And you're just like sitting back and you're like, how do they manage to put all that in and you actually soak it all up as well? I know. And also the fact that we spent so many hours all together, like the course was small. There was only 18 of us and we were together the whole time. I just keep talking to people who were at uni with like 40 or 50 people in their cohort. And there were 18 of us mm-hmm. and we spent all of our time together. I mean, especially after the first term, because we were, what we were all in separated into two groups, which is still, you were with eight, well, eight, I'm like, what's half of 18? Nine people. <laughs> you were nine people, but you know, the, the groups are different and sometimes we're all together. But I mean, from, from Christmas onwards, we spent all of our time, some days eight till 6 p.m., otherwise like nine till 6 p.m., <laughs> all together, 18 of us in the room. How did we survive? Like, that was nuts. It was, yeah, but it was awesome. Crazy, but awesome. And if I could do it all over again, I really would. I literally was just like, take me back to the cocoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Into the nurturing experience. What was your favorite moment whilst training? Well, I think having the opportunity to work on my dissertation project and mm. for that really to be uh, something that I'm now doing professionally and making money from. And it's really crucial string to my bow so my my dissertation project was basically working on pop songs and um i was figuring out a way to sort of enhance their meaning of the lyrics by sort of reinventing them and finding a new way to perform them so that was like rearranging sort of finding a different style so i did um i did like a version of mercy by duffy but i did it, i did it in kind of like a blues waltzy vibe it was like in 6a and it was really cool and then I did a reggae version of Iron Sky by Paolo Nutini because it was sort of protesty and just having the opportunity to do that concert as part of my training was incredible because I've always wanted to do that and I don't think I ever really had the balls 
and I think also I would have always constantly put it off, but having, having the thing of like, you need to make something, this is what you're going to do. And I had so many different things that I was thinking about and I really boiled it down to that one thing, which I didn't even realize I needed and wanted to do for so long. So that was awesome. That was really cool. And then on to graduating life. How was that? Did you, how did you feel once it was all over? Obviously you've touched on it a bit, but. I, you know what? I finished, like on the day we handed in our dissertations, I was so excited to get out there and I was, I was really raring to go. Um, and I think also having done the concert and I sort of, I was really gunning to do some gigs as well as auditioning for shows. And I felt really confident in myself as a gigging singer, performer, artisty person. But then it quickly dawned on me within about a month that I was really freaking out about acting because I didn't have an agent. I still don't have an agent, um, unrepresented. And I just didn't know where to look. I didn't know what to market myself as. I didn't know who I was in this industry I think I'm kind of getting there but I still don't really know as a as a very white passing mixed race individual who has got a variety of like I'm sort of like jack of all trades master of none I feel like I'm like I play instruments but not amazingly I am like dual heritage mixed race but don't really look like it not that that's like a skill um it was, yeah, it was really difficult to manoeuvre and um, I was excited to be unrepresented because I thought, well, any work that I get, I'll be doing it all off my own back. But I also like had this sort of freelancer crisis where I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm now an actor. I'm now a freelancer. I need to work all the hours God sends. So I was working, teaching, I think six days a week, as well as working in an office in the mornings. And then also like doing gigs at the weekends and stuff. There was, I think there was a month and a half where I did not have a single day off. It was absolutely obscene. And then I just made myself really sick. Um, and I realized that I was just working too hard. And you, you, you need to learn how to switch off when you're a freelancer, mm -hmm. which I still don't really know how to do. Oh. <laughs> Hey, it's crazy. Honestly, I'm gonna try and find. I'm gonna try and find my calendar and see if it's still on there from a year from a year ago. Because it was, it's nuts. Like I've got one thing every single day. This is September 2019. Uh, for how many weeks? At least one thing. I wish I could share my screen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven weeks. A whole half term. I've, I've got something every single day at least one thing some of them I've got two things and I oh my gosh I realized as well I, I would finish work I'd finish teaching work and then I'd go and work in like as a host in this like um ping pong place like I'd, I'd work until like 11 p.m and that Sunday is crazy I'd be in the office in the morning and stuff it was totally nuts but I did earn loads of money <laughs> there you go <laughs> At least got something out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and no. that, that time, during that time as well, we were setting up um, a stone's throw as well. So we were setting up our theatre company. Um, and then everything just started to go wrong. I just ended up like turning up for work without my correct things and stuff. Because like my brain was just not working. I was just going at five million miles an hour. 
But I think that is a good point to touch upon because it's, as you said, it's our freelancer mind. And we think that because we don't have a set schedule, we have to like just fill our days up and every single second of the day. But I think at the start, you feel really good and really well that you're actually like productive and you're not wasting time, let's say. But there comes a point where you just realize you've run yourself down so much that you're not taking care of yourself. And if you don't take care of yourself, yourself won't be able to perform to the like 100% that you can. Absolutely. Like it's such an interesting mindset that we get as performers. It's just, I don't know where we get it from either because even when you go to drama school, yes, it is a lot, but we still have our hours from like, let's say eight to six. And then it's only when you have shows that you just continue. But like, usually you go home, do a bit of homework, but then you switch off as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think also being a freelancer, so much of your work is at home. It's really difficult to differentiate your working time Mm. from your resting time. And I'm a serious night owl and I feel like the most productive time, like when my mind is working, is at night, which is Mm -hmm. really bad because then, well, maybe it shouldn't be. I feel like we should celebrate circadian rhythms and um, I just stop becoming a true night person and just don't do anything in the morning because that's how I work. I just can't function any time before or about 10 o'clock. Try and get me to do anything creative. Not happening. But that's okay. As long as you know your pattern and your rhythm, then you know that you have to rest in the morning. Exactly. That's absolutely fine. um, It's Yeah, I still find it a really tricky a thing to navigate this whole freelance life I don't think I don't think I'll ever be able to fully switch off because my brain mm-hmm. is just always at work but talking about switching off what do you do to keep sane and switch off when you do <sighs> I don't do it enough but I do love a jigsaw puzzle Aww. I love a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> and I love crafting and I think this is the thing that I've really got into during lockdown because I didn't have anything else to do mm-hmm. I had to find other things to um to sort of take up my brain space and I think I, I need to have something that's, that busies my hands and then it allows me to think and work through stuff without me feeling like I'm actually having to do work on top of stressing about the work and stressing about everything else going on in the world yeah I think crafting and doing puzzles and working with my hands really gives me some time to have some breathing space um netflix as well good old netflix (laughs) and um i i really used cooking when i was training as a lovely form of sort of therapy i love making really overly what's the word complicated (laughs) meals um I think because previous to training and previous to doing all this professionally, um, singing and dancing was my sort of therapy of working out, working everything out and just sort mm-hmm. of releasing some stress. And then, and then I got to doing it professionally and training and stuff. It was during training and I went to a ballet class and I was like, this is so stressful. I'm just thinking about all of the stuff which I need to do in terms of my technique and ballet and like this isn't this isn't this isn't relaxing anymore it's not a way to work out stress it's for me to work up stress mm-hmm. so I used cooking as sort of my way to release everything because yeah whenever I sang I was just thinking about technique and how I was 
stuck in a really, really bad technical place singing. Uh, yeah, cooking, puzzles, crafting. Yeah, no, that's good because we do do our, we turn our hobby into our like work and then it's good because we love it and we will always do it, but you do need other things to do. And like, I think cooking is great and jigsaw puzzles as well. Like jigsaw puzzles are so underrated. I'm, I'm literally already an 18 year old, 18 and 80 year old woman. Um, <laughs> I just need an army of cats and flower pressing as well, which is you do. My new sort of hobby, which is really fun. Um, yeah, so I set that up during lockdown, pressed flowers with hidden meanings inspired by Victorian flower dictionaries and um and almanacs and sort of like a bit of witchy woo herbal meanings and stuff as well. So yeah, I sort of got really into that. I get down rabbit holes of things and get excited about really weird stuff. <laughs> No, but they look fab. I love your Instagram page as well. When you put the little um, star signs. Yeah. The, I love that so much. I'm like, ooh. I had so much fun because um, there's like generally a list of, of, um, of zodiac flowers that are already sort of designed. And I don't know who came up with them because I don't really know if they necessarily go with what I think. I am also a bit of like a closet zodiac nerd um, and so I sort of curated my own list of with my knowledge of flower meanings and sim symbolism symbolisms that I um, came up with myself so yeah I, that was really fun and that's like a bit of a bit of a side hobby not a bit of a side hobby it's definitely a side hobby but it's that's about things that make you happy and like spark some passion in you so I always wanted to have a little crafty side hustle but there's so many things that I'll that I make and mm -hmm. there wasn't really anything which I made which I'd be happy to make loads of times like, I'm like oh macrame would I really want to do that day in day out no knitting is stressful it takes a long time um <laughs> I don't really ha I don't really think I'd want to sell my work as an artist personally it's not really for me and then I found flower pressing and I was like, this is so much fun and every, everyone is different. And I, I love that they've got all these hidden meanings and let's celebrate that. And talking about passion projects, let's say, you've touched upon them briefly, but let's just go a bit more deeper into them about your like um, Stone Throw Productions. Yeah, so um, Stone Throw Productions is our theatre company, which uh, we are embarking on our first project still because we um we're a group of four people made up of central grads um and we've sort of expanded to be sort of more of an umbrella of six people including our movement director eleanor walsh and our um musical director who is colin malloy and there's sort of six of us i think four central people that we all sort of grow we all sort of huddled together at the end of Central and thought let's make a, a theatre company and create a piece that celebrates actor musicians within sort of like the the canonic text world that we don't really delve into as musical theatre people so I'm talking about like um naturalism and and like realism and sort of like Shakespeare and you know like Chekhov and Ibsen and blah 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 all of those canonic writers that we all sort of know and love and most of us have heard of the plays um, and we thought why don't we make a piece that 
really celebrates music and acts musicianship within that. So our first piece was, is The Cherry Orchard. We were um, supposed to be going into the Hartford Theatre. They've sort of taken us under their wing and we're being mentored by them, which is really lovely because um, I grew up near Hartford. So that's, that's nice and sort of like a local thing. Um, we're supposed to be going in there and doing a week of R&D uh, in April, obviously lockdown hit. And we did it all virtually, which was really fun. And it's really weird because we've got a group of five actors, um, two of whom, or three of whom, three of whom I've never met in person. We've only met virtually. And it's just so strange that like we've worked on this piece together and I've never met them. Uh, so that's really weird. I think it will be lovely to be in a room all together, but we don't know when it's going to happen um we've kind of just had to put the projects on a bit of a back burner which is i mean it's just just what <laughs> had to happen really <gasps> sadly but it will come back at some point and um we'll get the show on the road one day one day and um, when we do it will be sweeter and more beautiful than before but actually you know what having um, a virtual r&d was a blessing in some ways because it gave us a bit more time to work on things and to develop other sides of the piece obviously like the physical side and us being within the space and using our instruments we still haven't really figured out because you can't do that over zoom and that's be hard yeah and if anyone's <laughs> tried to play musical instruments at the same time over zoom it just doesn't work so we had to do a very interesting technique of devising music which was cool and it kind of worked and luckily my experiences of doing um, my sit projects of my live concert was kind of similar. So it works well for me because that's sort of, that's how I work. I'm very, uh, in terms of music, I'm, I'm not particularly theory based. I'm more like, can you do something that sounds a bit like that? So can we take this song, but do it in the style of Diana Ross? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'll play it. And I'll be like, you know, there's beat, that beat. Can we put that in? <laughs> um, yeah. But actually, you know what? Lockdown has brought its silver linings. I think like you, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, but I'm like, I'm a cynical optimist. I hate being <laughs> optimistic, but I am. Um, <laughs> And I downloaded Logic, which is like this music software. I got myself a fancy ass mic. Um, I have learned basically taught myself how to do music tech. It's been really fun. I, I actually like really ironically think that I've become a much better singer during lockdown just by, I've been recording stuff all the time. Like at least once a week I've been recording something and whether or not it goes out onto Instagram or onto the socials, it, is, it doesn't matter because it's for me, isn't it? Um, it's, been, it's been really cool. Yeah. Difficult, but cool. And um, I'm just trying to be one of those annoying music people who put stuff up all the time, which is really hard for me because I, um, I hate being a narcissist, but I also really secretly want to be a narcissist. Do you get that? I get what you mean, yeah. It's like, oh, I don't want everyone to think that I'm like obsessed with myself and that I think I'm really amazing. But then also at the same time, I'm like, I wish I, wish I could just post stuff. And then I just started doing it. And actually, people have 
been really nice about it so I guess I'll just keep posting no I think you should because I think I get exactly what you mean actually because it is about the thing is we are artists and we're creating art for ourselves but also to share it with the world you know like we entertain people so like you have to celebrate yourself and if you never ever ever post anything because you're in fear of what others might think about you or your craft which I completely get I am a hundred percent like that but if we never do it we'll never know how it comes across we'll never know what will come out of it like if you post it you never know what kind of collaboration might come out of it who might see it like it might all be really silent at the start but like that person might have seen it and like saved it for a project that you might need in like a few months time or something so yeah it is about that thing but like I think we just need to sometimes like don't post every like single minute of the day of course but sometimes we just need to like embrace it that we can and that we can share like talent so easily nowadays for sure I think we've got this desperate need as artists to be given the stage by someone else we Mm. need to be hosted rather than uh, sort of putting ourselves out there hosting ourselves and saying this is me this is what I got check me out because it seems it's also a very fragile place to be mm-hmm. and you're very exposed and you put yourself out for judgment um, and people don't people don't want to hear the rubbish stuff but you've got to you've got to put stuff out there in order to grow and develop and I think I'm 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 now seeing it because I was so worried about coming across as this big sort of ego look at me I can sing <laughs> um, thing but firstly from what I can gather people enjoy watching videos of people singing I love watching other people so exactly like, why I want to put it out there because I love seeing what people are doing I know everyone freaks out about it but genuinely I want to be such a strong advocate to just like everyone just put put your stuff out there even if it's not that great and I also have like an absolute hatred for disclaimers people being like I put this out there but like really sorry I don't really have a voice like no no just put it out there it's fine next time it will be better and I'm just really doing it for myself so I can say that I did that I can improve also recording yourself is such a good way to get better because you can be like oh that note was a bit crap Mm-hmm. I'm saying that that way next time or whatever and I really think that a mixture of recording myself and putting myself on Instagram and recording myself on Logic like as a sort of session singer have been so helpful during lockdown to help me learn about my voice and what it sounds like from the other side because inside your ears you're like I sound this way yeah and then you hear yourself and you're like I don't sound like that completely Everyone out there listening post yourself be a narcissist do it be brave. <laughs> Be brave, yeah. For sure, yeah. I want to, for, I for one want to see that. I want to see that content. <laughs> there you go. And There's I two. Like, I will like it. <laughs> so, Christiana. Yes. You have two supporters already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. And I think, yes, social media can be a scary place, but also it can be very, very constructive and really like an uplifting place if you use it the right way. Absolutely. And I think it's also who you choose to follow you. If you've got people who you think are going to be negative, make a new account and just post your stuff to a safe space. It doesn't matter if it's only 20 people, those 20 people will have your back, root for you, 
be cheering you on that's mm-hmm. all you need you don't need like five million people going oh my gosh you're amazing and then in your opinion what unites us as creatives I think it's this need to share our skills and what we have this is going to sound really lame but what we sort of have inside that we want to get out like what what are our feelings what are our views and I really believe that all art has some kind of sentiment and some kind of meaning whether it's political or personal or I don't know like everything you create has some kind of hidden meaning it might be obvious might be subtle um I really think that it's the art that we create is a lovely language that we can converse in and exchange and I'm like really into sort of celebrating everything that everyone does creating and celebrating and sharing sharing stuff with I'm also like a massive advocate of sharing opportunities Mm -hmm. because if I've enjoyed something I want other people to experience the enjoyment yeah and then I love this question what makes you unique as a performer or creative I think um in terms of like this is this is where I find myself comfortable in my singing aspect because I I don't want to say think outside the box maybe I'm going to say it anyway because I come at music and performing from quite an individual standpoint I love making things my own and I'm quite confident in putting my own spin on things so I quite like that uniqueness as a singer as a performer I mean I I feel like I am very unique but I don't know how to channel it best like I've got so many different things that are part of me my Indian mum my Northern Irish dad my sort of growing up in Switzerland and then moving here and I think there's there's so much of myself that I would love to be celebrated and that's really important to me as a person and as a performer and I'm not really sure how I can channel that yet if it really sits in well in the majority of the industry yet but the industry is changing and I think that there are shows out there which really celebrate people of diverse heritage like me and you as well like look at you <laughs> you beautiful Cypriot German lady yeah it's it's um it's a difficult place at the moment and I think that's why I haven't settled on a lot of stuff in the industry and I'm not really sure where my head is at in terms of acting and musical theatre and it's just I just don't know where I am and if I if I apply for a diverse casting bracket, they look at my headshots and they're like, she's so white. No. So you obviously didn't look at the breakdown to see that it needs to be someone who's mixed race. And I'm like, well, I am. I just don't look like it. But it doesn't mean that I don't identify as that. But um, yeah, I'm struggling with that in the industry at the moment. But I would love that to be something which is celebrated because that's I celebrate it in myself. Yeah. No, that, that is very true. And also, there, there's been another uh, guest that came on here and they had a very similar topic about the diversity. Like, there's a big thing going on about appearance and diversity, which is great and also really needed. But um, we also touched upon the thing that, there you go, accent. Um, a lot of the times, it's also not all the diversity you see, but how you feel as well, the insights. So be it accents, be it your heritage, as you said, mm-hmm. your mixed race heritage. You might not necessarily look like that diverse appearance, but you are that diverse in like soul inside of you, which brings 
exactly as much, much diversity as your appearance in it. So that is an important thing that hopefully will start changing in the yeah, future. And it's, it's difficult for people like us who are diverse, but look mm-hmm. pretty white because yeah. I don't want to take away from the fact that there are lots of people who are not white, who are, you know, finally getting the chance to be seen for stuff. 100%. And I don't want to take that opportunity away. However, the casting breakdown is saying that they want someone of mixed race heritage. And that is me. Mm-hmm. Looks like me. They want someone who looks like someone who is mixed race, but that doesn't mean that my experience as a mixed race person isn't as authentic. It's just a really difficult topic to talk about because hmm. I'm, I'm very aware of the struggles that people who don't look as white as me <laughs> Definitely. Of color yeah. or, you know, however they express fame or um, I know there's lots of issues with like how people want to be talked about as a, yeah. as a person who's black or Asian or ethnic minority. Yeah. So I don't want to take that, that fight away because I'm absolutely rooting for it. Mm-hmm. It's just really difficult for other people who are, uh, it's so difficult to talk about because I feel like yeah. I'm doing this like weird sort of like white splaining. It's just it's really tricky. And it I is tricky, definitely. Have everyone on all 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 spectrums of diversity to be celebrated in a really unique way, rather than casting directors looking at your photo and going, "They look brown enough," or whatever for this role, yeah. which is it just seems a bit tick boxy at the moment. Still, things it are changing. Does. Yeah. Um, they are changing slowly and I, I just really hope that um, I would get to be part of a show especially a new musical that would like celebrate that really. let's write one <laughs> let's, write let's one. just write one <laughs> I mean the good thing is that like British musicals which are popping up recently Six and, and, and Juliet and stuff like they're doing that which is great and um, just more of that content please <laughs> yes and Juliet is so brilliant I haven't actually managed to see it. I really hope it comes back. Oh, it, it must do. And you'll see it and you'll love it. It's like, you'll love that show. I definitely think yes. you will. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then do you have any last advice that you would love to give to the listeners? I think it's just reiterating for people to shine their light. Shine your light, darling. Shining bright. Um, just get get out there and put your stuff on social media. Put your stuff on YouTube or whatever. Like if if I, I think most people who have spoken to me about it are saying more about singing, performance side of things, which is easier to self promote and self market. Like I cannot express it enough. I want to see your stuff. I'm just one person, but like, I'm sure I can vouch for lots of other people, loads of other people within this industry and even people who aren't in the industry. It doesn't matter if you don't have a massive following, just like put it out there. It's, it's like probably not as terrifying as you think. You're not as bad as you think. Yes. We're all singing live. So we're not going to have like a bum note or it's not going to be completely perfect. (laughs) exactly but imperfect is beautiful and it's exciting and it's what you want like if everything is perfect and sterile the whole time you get bored you know like and that's also not life yeah true if you want something that's perfect and flawlessly done then that's cool you can go listen to your pop records if you want 
to see people who are showing rawness and liveness and everything that you've got in the moment mm. then, then that's what's amazing about you know putting covers up on instagram and youtube and you've got to give it a go very true <laughs> yeah. yeah no but it was lovely thank you for coming on and sharing your journey <laughs> thank you so much this has been a wonderful lovely space to jabber on forever yes we could go for days generally <laughs> I know it's been wonderful and also all the stuff that you do on this podcast is amazing I love the fact that you're celebrating celebrating mm. others and I think that needs to happen more in this industry doesn't it it definitely does it has to become second nature for sure I mean I had a bit of a moment where I saw some other people doing things booking jobs and stuff in this climate and I I got kind of upset about it and I was like yeah Why have they managed to get a job and I haven't and then I thought about it and I was like this is coming from a place of like self insecurity, isn't it? So why don't we just celebrate those other people? Because if I got the job, I'd want everyone to celebrate it for me. So I'm just really trying to check myself whenever I see my mates doing cool stuff to like give them a round of applause and not think about how did they get that gig and not me? Like, yeah, everything will come serendipity. Definitely. Let's, let's have a, an industry of encouraging others and rooting for others because definitely end up in this catty horrible place which is not a fun situation to work in no and i'm a firm believer of i know this is going to sound cheesy but there is a place for us all in this industry it's big enough for us all and we're all going to have our moments because it's not just one it's a lot of moments (laughs) together (laughs) exactly i hope you've enjoyed this interview with livy wiley as always artist avenue will be back next wednesday with another exciting interview Till then, make sure to follow us on social media, keep up to date and also keep spreading the word. Have a fabulous day and see you next week.